Welcome everyone to episode three, and I'm really excited for you guys to dive into this episode. Uh, a lot of juicy details, a lot of great content, and it's really surrounded around the idea of creating certainty in a very uncertain time. And my guest today is Rebecca Cafiero, who um, is an amazing, amazing individual. She, I've known her from a previous life uh, in network marketing, uh, where she built an incredible organization, a multiple six-figure income, and then went on to go build a retreat um, called Brand Camp, uh, where she really targets and works with female entrepreneurs on how to get seen and heard. Um, it's been hugely successful um, to the point where she's been seen on things like ABC News, Reader's Digest, Women's Health, um, and she has an incredible following. Um, right now, she's just about to cross the mark for 100,000 downloads for her podcast, Becoming You. And she's been so generous and so kind in terms of um, lending her expertise, the do's and don'ts uh, for me personally when it came to launching this podcast. Um, I also want you guys to kind of keep aware for this episode too, because I think she gives great perspective when it comes to kind of how to navigate that road as a parent. Um, she's got two young ones as well as um, being a wife. Um, so um, I hope you guys tune in. I hope you guys grab a pen and pad and dive into this episode. Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So Rebecca, thanks for being here today. Um, thanks for spending the time and hanging out today. My pleasure. It's, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to watch you because I've always just been a big fan of everything you do and how intentional you are and so excited for this podcast. It's going to yeah. be on my list. All right. So we are in different times right now. Um, we are about, what, two days into, at least for here in the Bay Area, lockdown. Um, we are only going out for necessities and essentials. All local stores have been closed outside of, let's say, grocery stores and uh, medical facilities. Um, so it's different times right now. And um, we haven't caught up in a while, so I kind of want to hear about, you know, your thoughts on, A, what's going on right now? Um, how are you guys? And also, like, you know, these are odd and strange times um, to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I think there's also a lot of opportunity. Absolutely. Well, it is strange times. And I feel like we are in this ever evolving new normal. And just as soon as we think that we're you know, kind of getting a handle on it, it changes. You know, last week I definitely went down the rabbit hole, I actually pulled my, my child out. And I will say, I actually have a boy and a girl, but my girl looks exactly like my husband. So <laughs> she does look like a little boy. Um, but you know, two things, well, actually three things is one, I grew up in rural Oregon. I grew up about as off the grid as possible. And up until two weeks ago, I used to tell people my life growing up looks more like little house on the prairie than it does like my life now. Wow. You know, my parents hunt, we farm, we raise most of our own food and, you know, we live on a three mile gravel road. So in a way I feel like while this is definitely a bizarre time, given what we're used to, 
this is not entirely um, foreign to me. In fact, I was kind of like, how can I get to Oregon? Because I know that my dad's got a garage-sized freezer full of elk. And I, you know, he's like, we butchered a cow. We're good for the winter. And I'm like, how many pellets do you have for your pellet stove, though? Because it is really cold up there right now. So, so part of me went into preps prep mode for sure. And not, you know, crazy alarmist over the top. I was like, okay, don't just get beans and rice. Like lentil pasta is also a great, you know, (laughs) a great form of protein. But the second thing is I went down the rabbit hole and I think that it's very natural to do that. It's very natural to, um, to want to get as much information as possible to feel mentally prepared in times of stress and duress. And that lasted about two or three days of waking up and Googling coronavirus and, you know, going from one thing to another. And of course you fall down the conspiracy theory hole and that's like, not even going to talk about that. But what I realized is I was in a really negative space yeah. and right now I'm with my two kids and we just got an au pair from Italy. So she's, she has a whole nother perspective because her family has been quarantined for two weeks, but I went down this rabbit hole and my husband's still back in the Bay area. Um, he's a founder at a company. He wasn't able to leave yet. So I sat down and I said to myself, I cannot live in this state as the head of my household. Like I am the one that sets the tone for what's going on with my kids, my a pair who is in a totally foreign um, place and now locked in. And I need to be very intentional about where I am putting my focus, about what I am feeding my mind as much as, as well as my body. Because right now you don't want to get sick and go to the hospital for something else. And I wrote a list down and it was a list of what makes me feel positive and what makes me feel negative. And this is such a simple exercise we, people can do anytime. Um, and I've recorded podcasts about what I call the emotional hangover that I was myself giving. And, you know, I wrote down a list. There was 12 things on the positive and there was three things on the negative. And the negative were social media, at least people that are really also going down the rabbit hole. It was too much news mm. and it was... The third was staying up too late. Mm-hmm. That was a big one and staying up too late looking at negative news and social media. Social and media. I realized that it was actually a very short list that was making me feel like crap, but I was spending the majority of my time there. Hmm. And so when I just wrote it out on the fridge and I looked at it and I said, this is a very easy fix. And I said, okay, you know, I will look at the news once or twice a day. I'm going to limit myself to 10 minutes. I'm going to look at media outlets that are a little less alarmist. Um, and then secondly, I'm going to really focus on all of the things that make me feel great. But today we did kids yoga, you know, and we went to the high school track yesterday to find a place that doesn't have, you know, play equipment. Cause you can't take a four-year-old to a playground and not let them play on it. Um, where my son could ride his bike and we could get, you know, time in nature. And I'm focusing on those things. And my outlook has completely shifted in four days, not only to, oh my gosh, lack, 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 what are we going to do? But now to how can I serve other people? and help them through the things that I've just gone through in the last four days. Isn't that such an amazing kind of microcosm too, of like what we experience on a day-to-day basis? Because I know that while right now can be a spiraling time because it's so much more in your face and there's lines outside of Costco right now. And um, it's so much easier to see it. It happens. um, It's almost like the slow cookers on sometimes when you start just going down the hole of negativity, 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 you don't realize it's kind of slowly cooking you here. Um, so I think it's a great example of being able to a identify it. And then once you've identified it, being able to like really kind of push it out of your life here. So what have you done in terms of a identifying it and then B kind of what's on the good side now? So you mentioned like taking your kids out and we just planted seeds in the garden yesterday. Um, like what's been working in terms of getting your mindset back on uh, straight during these times? 
One is, is just being very intentional and also creating a schedule because really, you know, everyone's looking for certainty because there's so much uncertainty out there. So asking myself, what can I do to create some certainty? Because the reality is, is we do control so much of our life, even right now being at home, you know, we have so many choices. And so I sat down and I said, okay, what, you know, what are my non-negotiables for a good day? And often in normal life, when we can leave the house and go to a restaurant and all those things, there's so much noise that we, it's easy to say, I don't have time for this or this, you know, distracted me. So I sat down and I said, okay, what is really the recipe for a good day? What will make me feel like today was great. Mm. And it's movement, time in nature, connection with my family, mm-hmm. usually some type of self-care. And then also, of course, you know, making some type of progress in my business or my work. And when I wrote those five down, I went, this is not very hard. So yesterday I took, like I said, took my son to the track and we brought his bike and we slightly trespassed because it did say close, but, um, we took his bike down there and I did a workout. I ran next to him as, you know, we raced. So I got movement, quality time with my son and time in nature for a period of an hour and a half. He also was exhausted and slept really well, which is always great for a parent. And the one is it's lowering expectations to, it doesn't have to look perfect but then also setting yourself up for success. And I think the biggest thing I've realized is, you know, you know, we live in the Bay area. It's a very fast moving place. It's a place, especially as parents, there's so many expectations around what should we be doing for our children. And I used to tell myself, Oh, well I need to do this or this or this, or or Luca needs to be in music and swimming. And and I don't even feel like I'm the kind of the typical Silicon Valley parent. I'm like a rebel because I'm like, don't have them at extra activities, (laughs) but it's made me aware of how little we actually need to be so happy. We, we've been going down to the beach or, you know, if you can get your kid playing in the dirt, you know, if you don't have a beach or just going out for walks or hiking or, you know, playing puzzles and the need for stuff is, it's really been made apparent to me that we need so much less than we think we do. Totally. But what we do need is creativity, some paper, a pencil, maybe a deck of cards. And Luca, my four-year-old is saying to me, he's like, mom, I want to live here forever. But I'm realizing it's not, yes, the beach is nice. But what it really is, is it's the connection time he's getting because where most of our anxiety typically comes from, and this is even as a parent working from home, is it comes from, we need to do this. We need to do this. It's the rush. It's, it's the agenda of pushing, you know, our children into whatever we want to do. And right now, like this is a time to slow down. And so many of us say that we need that. We're always saying, oh, I wish life wasn't so fast. Well, guess what? We've got what we wish for in a little bit of a different form. And how we choose to come out of this is going to set the tone, not just for the rest of the year, but potentially the decade and the rest of our lives. Because if, if you look at people who have lived through things like the Holocaust, right, or, or wars, and you can pretty much pinpoint, are they like a old crusty curmudgeon? Or are they this like amazing positive person? And I know a woman that she just turned 100. She was um, a prisoner of war um, and she's one of the most positive, resourceful people I know. And it's because how she chose to deal with and think of what she went through. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, we are all going to look back collectively for those of us that are the age we are now, 40, 50 years from now and say like, when we went through this and how we choose to deal with it is going to absolutely set the tone for the rest of our lives. 
a really great point. Um, reminds me of reading Viktor Frankl's book and talking about how he survived the Holocaust and kind of his attitude towards life and his outlook when so many people were just like in dire straits. And while this is very different than that, um, I think it is a great reminder um, about the the approach that we take, the belief systems we have and how we kind of shape them. And I think it is really great that you, you touched on kind of the ability to slow down um, because it's been a collective slowdown. And there's so many things that we have in front of us that you know, doesn't need stuff. Um, you don't need things, just some food on the table, you know, family around the table and life's pretty good. Um, but you did mention kind of on a daily activity right now or a daily basis, obviously family's really important. Self-care is really important. Exercise is really important, but you also mentioned just getting something done productively. And I think that there's so much uncertainty around what to do when it comes to business. And I know you specialize, um, in helping entrepreneurs, um, build businesses. Um, so kind of where's the landscape right now? Um, should people be holding, holding back or should they be really kind of diving in at this juncture um, during this time? Oh, such a good question. So a couple answers to that. And one is, is making sure that the, the communication you're having with yourself, so the vernacular you're using mm-hmm. is not saying, I can't, I can't leave the house. I can't do this. I can't do that. But really asking the question of how can I, because it entirely changes the way that your brain thinks. So yes, you may not be able to leave the house to meet up with people, but it's like, okay, well, how can I get in social time? Maybe it's over Zoom or FaceTime or just picking up the phone and calling people. And you know, how can I, again, get in the exercise? Because you know, Barry's boot camp and yoga studio, so many people are offering online classes. So it's about getting a little bit more creative. It's also about taking the things that we're restricted from doing and just doing them a little differently. So being open to flexibility. But I think the biggest thing in working from home right now is releasing expectations of what it looks like. One is communicating with the other people that you live with. You know, that's the biggest thing is we've got a lot of parents right now, or, or just even people in general, you know, even people that have dogs that they need to walk that are working from home with very different, um, very different restrictions. And it's communicating about what you need. So for example, today I wrote down on the board, I'm like, all right, my work hours today are 10 until three. But during that time, I have a call, this, this podcast at 10 a.m., and I have another meeting at 1 p.m., and those are the times I should not be disturbed. Those are the times I need the most support. The other times, a little bit more flexibility. And it's really about making sure that you're communicating and covering for each other and supporting each other so that everyone feels like they are able to do the things that they need to to move their business forward. It's about asking for a lot of grace. Again, about the done beats perfect. Um, I think the other thing is really, I call it the routine before the routine. So the morning routine right now is more important than ever, especially not waking up and going down the scroll hole. So whatever that morning routine looks like, and yes, I love Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning. I love the idea of having that hour and honestly with two small children, but let's be realistic, the done beats perfect. So, So this morning, you know, my ideal, which is 10 minutes of silence, 10 minutes of affirmation, 10 minutes of visualizations and exercise and reading and writing. What that looked like was I got up and we did kids yoga on YouTube. Listen, it's not the hardest yoga class I've ever done, but it got me to move my body and have quality time with my kid. And then I got in the shower and I listened to um, Louise Hayes' Miracle Morning Rampage. It's 13 minutes, which is just enough time for me to shower, wash, uh, dry my hair, or at least comb my hair, um, and put on a little makeup. And then I listened to ThinkUp. It's an affirmation app where you can record your own affirmations for about five minutes. And then I usually spend five minutes in my gratitude journal. So it sounds like 20 minutes, but it's really only about five minutes of me sitting down. The rest is me doing mommy time or me time. And that gets my state ready 
to be really intentional and productive in my day. And by the way, getting out of pajamas is really important. Like act like you're going to work. The difference is you can utilize that commute time that you would normally spend, whether that's 10 minutes or an hour and doing something that raises your state or doing something like learning. Like this is the time to sit down and read or uh, learn a language, go on Duolingo, you know, um, do a dance party. We, that's the other thing is we always turn on Lizzo in the morning. And yes, my four-year-old knows the words. Yesterday, he's like, mom, what does H-E-L-L mean? I'm like, well, it's not something that's okay to say unless you're singing the song. But you know, scheduling things in, it's, it's still very important to put things that are sensitive into your calendar and also make sure you're disconnecting, you know, yeah. disconnecting from social media. I think people are in front of their, we know from the lag time on Zoom even that people are really in front of their screens right now. And it's important to intentionally say like, Hey, I'm putting my phone down at four o'clock and I'm going to spend the next three hours off media. It's funny you mentioned that because I think that there's a lot that maybe you or I take for granted in terms of being in a work at home space for so long that took us so long to learn. Like it took me, especially with having a daughter now that's seven, um, and my wife, we've always been kind of at home parents. We've, we've just been at the house. Um, but we have really defined boundaries about like, here's what my day looks like. Obviously, I've got a break between here and here. Here's when I'm going to take my daughter and do homework with her. Um, but it's very like we have like very focused times of when we're going to be completely present with those other people. And there's always this carve out of time with, um, you know, your, my spouse or um, with my daughter. And it's, it's very focused, but it allows us also to be really present in terms of being productive during those work hours as well. But I never, sometimes I forget the fact that that comes second nature now, but that definitely wasn't the case when we first started that process. And I love that you said that kind of give yourself some grace because it, it's not going to look perfect. And I think so often we want it to look like the Instagram filter. We want it to look really pretty. Um, and it doesn't right now. No, it doesn't. And so, it, I mean, giving yourself grace is just, I was just gonna say it's the biggest thing. And I think the other thing is creating goals for this time. And you asked about, is this a good time in business? You know, the reality is, is that there's always going to be people doing business. And right now, I think there's so many more people opening up their minds to, wow, what does it look like to work from home? What does it look like to have a side hustle, which so many people are out of work right now, or how do you create extra income, whatever that looks like. And, and I think that's good. That's a good conversation because times like this force people to get over their egos. but also to realize that whatever you believe you're going to create. And when I, you know, I went through the real estate recession 12 years ago and I was, I was in real estate. So I was selling new homes and I can remember it was really early in my career. I think I started selling in February of 2000 and 2003. And we actually went through a little correction in June, July, that same year. So Mm -hmm. I had been sold $22 million of real estate in the first three months. And then all of a sudden stuff started grinding to a halt but I watched the veterans, the people that had seen a recession, sit around the, you know, the, the lunchroom and complain, no one's going to buy a house. No one's going to buy a house. This can't go on. I, ignorance was bliss for me at this time. And I'm not talking ignorance is bliss. Like don't go out and you know, not have gloves and don't get out in groups of people. Not that type of ignorance. But I didn't have that perspective to tell me what may happen. Hmm. So I just believe, no, I'm going to continue to sell homes. And I kept selling mentally because I was checked in while they checked out. And at the end of the year, that resulted in me earning about $70,000 more than most of those other people because I didn't stop what I was doing. And so I think this is such an important time that for entrepreneurs, like one, protect your mindset, understand again, what you feed your mind, like listen to podcasts, not news. 
Um, but it's such an important time that maybe, yes, maybe there's going to be less people purchasing whatever our products or services are, but there are still people out there and there's people out there that do have resources that are like, Hey, this is a great time for deals. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't be launching or offering things, but it's also an amazing time to build tremendous value. I mean, right now I'm like, well, how can I serve my audience? Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm being intentional. I'm like, this is a time to serve. That's what I'm called to do. But this is also an incredible time to build trust. This is a time to really dig in in your business. I mean, I am building a course out right now that normally would take three months. And I'm like, hey, because a lot of people aren't doing these things, what's the bandwidth of the company I'm working with to do this in the next two to four weeks to be ready to launch? That's incredible. It's a time to set ourselves apart. Tell me about business right now, because you and I haven't caught up for four or five months. Tell me about, tell me about your business. Tell me about exactly what you're doing and if you can tell us about the course or um, kind of who exactly do you help and kind of what's your, uh, what's your company? Sure. Oh my gosh. I love that question because it's what I'm obsessed with. Oh, the last five years have definitely not been like a straight path, right? I mean, that's, that's how entrepreneurship works is you can't try to figure it all out and then get there because we just need to like know that it's going to evolve and we need to follow what feels good and what's working. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is is finding where are we adding value where people are like, wow, that was so helpful and do more of that. Especially if it feels easy to us. Sometimes we can't see it, what we're good at. And that's one, one piece of advice I'd have for anyone listening that maybe doesn't have a business is what are the things that you do that someone says that was so helpful and you don't even think about it. It's the things that people are already naturally coming to you and that's what you should focus on. So, you know, I started brand camp with my business partner, Molly, who's one of my best friends. She's an amazing lifestyle photographer. And we started that a couple of years ago because we, we were conference, you know, personal development junkies, loved learning about business, but we really saw that there was a need for um, an atmosphere where people could work in, work on their business, not in their business, that was inspiring, clarifying, but also gave a very customized action plan. And what we saw is we'd go to stuff that was either really motivational, but didn't have a lot of like teeth in it, or we'd go to stuff that was super like, here's all the steps you take, no motivation. You'd, you'd feel really clear when you left, but then you get home and you're like, well, this isn't actually customized for me. And like, now I'm blocked on step three and how do I move forward? And not necessarily having that follow-up support. So we created Brain Camp and, and we still are working. I mean, that still is something that's working, even though we've taken a little bit of a pause, which ironically, because <laughs> no one's going on retreats right now. But what I learned out of that is we, we taught a lot of great stuff, like about messaging and knowables, which is one of my favorite things is about really learning how to identify the unique things about yourself. So I say your brand is who you are and your business is what you do. And so when you can learn, like, what are the unique things about you? So for me, like I grew up on a farm. Okay. And, and not just, not just the fact that I grew up on a farm, but what did that create in me? Like, what are the qualities or the, the talents that I receive from that experience? Cause that is very unique to me. Right. Or the fact that like I've lost, you know, I lost my boyfriend to cancer and my husband and I, I mean, together have gone through cancer twice. So that's a very unique experience. And what has that taught me? That's actually what got me to open up to online business is the, the desire to want to have choice in my life and in my schedule and in where I spent my time. Um, but long story short, started brain camp, but the, the biggest thing I realized is there was a niche within that. Cause a lot of people teach branding, messaging, voice, social media, you know, networking sales, but there was a specific thing within that, that I had learned for myself that I taught. And it was always the takeaway when we would do our outtake forms or in my one-on-one -on -one clients I'd work with on branding, it was always the thing that was the most unique that they had never seen anywhere else. And that was specifically I call it how to get seen and heard. 
but mm-hmm. it was how to get published in magazines, publications, newspapers, et cetera, without actually writing articles. That was number one. And number two was how to get on podcasts. And you know, you know, you and I have talked about launching a podcast and I launched mine almost a year ago and it's about to hit hundred thousand downloads, which I'm so excited Congratulations. about. Um, thank you. I just looked last night. I hadn't looked in a few weeks. I was like, whoa, I'm like, Oh, people are really listening to podcasts right now, which is great. But in the, in myself being a podcast host and getting people pitching me to be a guest, um, I saw really how it was done very poorly, very spammy, and then also how it was done really well. And so I started training my brand camp clients on this of how do you really authentically like warm up a podcast host and how do you get on a podcast? How do you deliver value? And even before, like how do you develop what I call your keynotes, which is your knowables, the things about you that are unique the things that are your values or the, the, where you add value and how do you create those into keynotes that are really unique for you. So for example, every coach out there, right? Like especially female coaches, like they're all like, I help female entrepreneurs up level their life or I help them with their next big step. Like that's great, but everybody does that. Yeah. But how can you take something that's a very specific experience and your value and combine those into a keynote that no one else will have? Hmm. And so-, so I teach people how to do that. So it's combining, just so, so I can get clarity, it's combining a little bit of your own, I shouldn't say a little bit, it's your background story. It's your origin story almost and combining it with the way you teach someone. Is that a hundred percent? Okay. So, you know, for you, like, like, you know, I know your story. So you could talk about like how, you know, how you went from six figure, you know, multiple six figures at, I mean, you were in college, you were really young, you know, right. Yeah. Um, to having the bottom fall out from you. So, you know, going from multiple six figures to nothing. And how that made you so intentional before making your next business decision. And it could be like the seven steps I learned in making a business decision after losing this. That's so good. Thank you. That, I mean, that could be a podcast episode. You know, so it's, it could be something like that. And so for me, it's, it's always looking at how can I add value? And like, what are the steps? Because everyone wants steps or tips. They want something that's bite-sized and like tangible but explaining it through a story because stories not, I mean, stories sell, but stories are also how we learn as human beings. So instead of just saying like, here's the five things you need to do to, I mean, literally I'm like, all right. So I was looking back through what I, what I did a Facebook live on yesterday. And it was, it was five tips to create a schedule of success from home. And it was, you know, communication, non-negotiables, your routine, how to schedule it in and how to disconnect. So it's literally what we went, just went through. Cause I, I talked about it yesterday but for each of those points, you know, first I, you want to hook someone with a story, which is also a tagline of, you know, when we're throwing off our normal schedule, it's easy to let things slide. And, and let's talk about how to create and implement a routine you can stick to. That's going to make you feel better mentally, give you spaciousness for spontaneity and connection. So I explain each of those points I'm going through with a story and that's where people learn. So you're, you're taking that kind of that, that big picture of how you teach and you're putting it into literally like one tagline. But what this ultimately teaches people is how to create keynotes. So I start with teaching people how to get on podcasts and you know what to talk about, like how to, when you actually land the podcast, how to show up and have value and have interesting stories. Um, because guess what? A lot of podcast hosts know each other and they'll share you with their podcast buddies. And then all of a sudden you land on five or six podcasts, but then again, how to get published, but all of it is totally transferable to how to land speaking engagements, mm. workshops, and even really how to write a book or at least an ebook. 
So can we back up for just a second? Because I thought what sure. was really interesting about you kind of uncovering your ability to kind of play story with offer or story with um, teaching points was how did you end up finding your own messaging a bit? Or um, when it came to, because like you said, everyone's like, I help empower these people to do X, Y, Z. Do you still adhere to that? Or do you, how do you kind of figure out what your niche or what your audience should be, or is it kind of what content lands with the people that you're talking to? It's a little bit of both. And I think that, you know, if I, I know that funnel is such like a salesy word and it doesn't always feel good, but if you think about like, okay, who do I serve? Like, who can I serve at a general level, you know, and then niche that down to like, who am I most excited to serve that I can get so much impact that I know that this is life changing. And so from a top of, you know, top of funnel or, or general level, like right now, the stuff I've been doing on live, it's like, Hey, anybody out there that is attempting to work from home right now, that's male, female of any age. I know I can help them. I can give them tips. Right. Yep. Um, but if I get really specific about like, where is my zone of genius? If you, you know, think about the, the book, the big leap, which I love by Gay Hendricks, you know, where is my zone of genius where I am so alive when I am doing this or teaching this and that I am also creating the most impact in lives. And for me, that is working specifically. It's, it's typically female. I mean, you're a special case because I adore you. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll help Jason all day long. I wanna, Thank you know, cause you. you've given me so much value that like, I want to give value back to you, but typically it is working with female entrepreneurs. And I think that's partly that I am in, I'm 40 now. And I spent 15 years in a very masculine dominated industry of real estate construction, specifically really construction. And now I'm just so called to work with women especially now as a mother. And so, and, and stepping into my more feminine energy, but also female entrepreneurs, female business owners, because I know the struggle and specifically on helping them be seen as an expert. So helping them again, be seen and be heard because I know what that does one for their own confidence. And really it's all starts with your own confidence of feeling like an expert. So you can step into being an expert and and a story behind that when in a previous life, yes, because you know, I mean, I'm like stories are what, you know, help anchor the point down. But in a previous life, I, I did some modeling when I was in college, which is so funny to think about now. I mostly spokes modeling cause I've always loved to talk my degrees in journalism, but I remember, um, you know, early on in that, that modeling career, I asked a photographer, I was like, when do I become a, when am I considered a professional model? Cause that was like what you wanted, you know, is, is to be able to make a living at it. And he said, you're getting paid. Like he was paying me right then. And he's like, you're getting paid to shoot this catalog right now. You are a professional. You are a professional when you get paid. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, I mean, obviously you know, getting paid enough to live on is, is the goal and, and live well. But when I thought about that, I was like, there's so many people out there that are doing whatever they're doing that are either not getting paid what they're worth, or they're not getting paid enough to really like set their lives apart. And I believe that like our friend Chris Harder says is when good people get paid good money, they do great things. So sometimes as creatives, we have this guilt around getting paid for something that we love to do and we need to release that. But the whole idea of like what my, you know, my small little niche is of really helping female entrepreneurs be seen and heard is understanding that when you are published and when you're seen or speaking podcast, et cetera, yeah. that it creates credibility. Okay. Which is so important. It creates visibility, whether that's to a new audience, which is usually, or even just credibility um, and to your own audience as they see what you're, you're in. And that creates profitability. Hmm. 
because it either gives you, you know, new eyes and on new eyes on your brand and your messaging, um, which may hire you for your services or purchase your products. Um, but it also gives you that confidence and sets you apart to be able to raise your rates if you are, you know, a coach or a service provider. So that's what I've been helping women do. And the women that are driven, like I just had a client that went to brand camp in October and then she hired me to work one-on-one because she really wanted to dig in. And she, she was one of my favorite case studies because she was in corporate America and just, you know, was a killer in corporate America. But most people in corporate America spend so much time and energy within that company that Mm -hmm. maybe that they're in same thing in network marketing, really. And they're, they're really respected there. But then outside of that, they have zero brand, zero really credibility outside of maybe their small group of friends. And so someone like her who has such great talent already showing her how to translate that to the outside world and how to grow a brand and a following and credibility and trust and all of those things. She took, you know, all of the action steps and with my coaching and within 60 days leaving that had booked herself on nine podcasts, 10 publications, including Forbes, by the way, none of this, I mean, outside of paying me, she didn't pay for any of that. She was not paying a PR person, which is normally three to $5,000 a month. Plus you pay when you get placed. Um, and she got five paid speaking engagements and got her first one-on-one coaching client. Wow. In 60 days. But that's because she took massive action. The information, my information is great, but you also have to put it into action. Absolutely. That's always the, that's always the caveat. Um, Did she already have a business idea before she kind of came out of corporate or was she figuring it out kind of as a beautiful mess as she came out of it? So that's a great question. She, she is still in corporate, but she was looking to create the side thing. One, just because her kids, you know, are in college now and she's got a lot of extra time. But she actually had started a nonprofit and it was, it's called joy joints. It's really cool. It's like helping people exercise their, um, their joy, their joy muscles basically. And so she came into our brand camp and she was like, I really want to work on branding for joy joints. And I was like, "Eh, okay. But I knew she personally had a brand or she had the ability to create a brand because of what she had done. She was so experienced as a speaker, but just in a very specific industry and and again, within her company. And I said, I really want you to think about creating your own brand because the more that you do it for your own brand, the more abundance that you get when you're getting paid $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 for a speaking gig, the more that you actually can pour back into your nonprofit, Hmm. the more that you can, and you have the ability to do both. You have the ability to get hired as a speaker and then maybe, you know, sell them your joy joints course, or even give that to them as a gift. That's going to raise awareness for your nonprofit. So uh, it was really just kind of educating her as to how she already had everything she needed. I mean, sometimes I actually feel a little bit like Glenda the Good Witch with Dorothy. It's like, Dorothy, you've had the power all along, but I am just helping someone step into that and giving them some tools on how to do it. So what does it look like? Because there's so many different ways to build a business um, or to monetize a business. Um, And I know that isn't obviously the direct path goal. Like I'm just going to go sell something, but what do you, um, in your experience, is it case by case or do you give people different models in terms of here's how I think about monetizing? You might go, I don't know, build an audience, get published, then think about, do you think about speaking? Do you think about course? Do you think about how is it that, or is it different by case by case? It's a little bit different case by case. I think it depends on the person, uh, but I think there is overall, there's a framework that works for people. And, and I mean, I'll share it because you know me, I am like very full disclosure on everything I'm doing. And I feel like if people 
one, it's good for, for information. Um, I always want to know like what are successful people doing and how can that work for me or how can I optimize it or how can I personalize it? So for most people, I think start at one-on-one coaching, right? Or if they're a coach, if they're a coach, they start on some type of one-on-one, a one-on-one service. And that is great. And that's a great way to get started to cut your teeth. That's a great way to gather experience. But what you end up realizing is that you are trading time for money, right? It's not scalable. I mean, you can always raise your rates, but ultimately it's just not scalable. Um, And I still think that one-on-one is a good, but that should be like our highest ticket item that we do just for a very select amount of people. And then you can do something that's group related. And again, this is, this is really speaking specifically to a coach, but um, where you do something that's larger group um, or a mastermind and is maybe done on a monthly basis. And then of course, there's always a course. Now a course can be for anything. So the course is your lower, your lower ticket item that can be combined with the other things. Um, so for me, for the, the course product I'm launching, which is called the Pitch Club, P-I-T-C-H, because that's what it's really about is like learning how to pitch yourself and even the confidence of stepping into like, I am an expert and my value is there. A lot of people tell themselves things like, oh, well, you know, I'm not the expert in this, but guess what? You're an expert on your own experience and the value you bring. Or they say, well, I need to like finish my website or do this or do that first. Most people don't care about that. It's literally like what's in your email. Um, or they, they, the third thing they think is what I have to share has already been shared which is not true. I mean, it, yes, everything has been shared, but not in your unique way. Yeah. So there's always someone else out there looking for your messaging, but the pitch club. So the course is going to be an online program that they can, you know, they can learn each of the things and there's downloadables and there's information. And then the next kind of level up is for people that really want a little bit more high touch. And that's going to be a mastermind I'm going to be launching. And that will be you know, a smaller group. So 10 to 20 people where they'll of course have access to the course because it's going to be a lot of the same content, but there's going to be calls each month. So I do a call as an expert where I do kind of office hours and we really dive in and I do live coaching where I'm like, Hey, okay, let's really work on, you know, your pitch offer for speaking gig and everyone else can, can see that, um, that process. Or I bring in an expert. I bring in an expert, like let's bring in, you know, a news anchor that to talk about what does it look like to pitch yourself for live TV and how do you show up and not look like an idiot? That's me. So like sit at the edge of your chair so that your back is like a ramrod straight because the, you know, the journalist will be, and you don't want to look like you're something and you've got low energy. And, you know, and then, and then a a one-on-one call each month. And then my, my kind of top level is one-on-one for the person like, and this is who I am is I'm like, okay, great. I took, I I bought the course and maybe I did or didn't take it. Or I'm like, I have questions and maybe I did the mastermind, but like, I am usually like, I would, I'm willing to pay the high ticket because I want that person that's the expert to walk me through it because I want to master it. And I don't want to waste time because I often bottleneck myself. Some people are very good at just taking a course and executing. So I think about knowing the type of person you are and also knowing that where you pay, you pay attention. Mm. So, and that's the, the biggest thing I've realized is I give, I give so much away for free, but at the end of the day, I know that when someone pays to work with me, they're going to do the work and that from an abundance standpoint, that's going to create a much bigger impact than me giving away a bunch of free stuff to people that are going to do nothing with it. Got it. I love that. I really love that. Um, I think it's great too, because you've got something for kind of everyone along the tier and there's a way for people to make their way up the ladder to kind of, you know, also, especially as a parent, as an entrepreneur, like you're protecting your time. Cause I see so often, or at least I've been in those spaces where you just give away your time so often and the business ends up running you. Um, and I love that you have a way to kind of really protect your own time there. 
Well, it took five years. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Let's be real that like I, in the beginning, you know, I mean, I had those moments where I wanted to pull my hair out because my son was nine months old and I had no help at the time. And I was in putting probably 60 hours a week in my business from home, Yeah. you know, and there was, there was not a schedule that I walked you all through today. And there was, there was not a clear delineation of like, I just was doing everything because I felt like activity was good right. and I was busy and not productive and it was so frustrating. So I've learned by really failing and failing forward. And, and then the other thing is, you know, I have my podcast and I have my book coming out next month, um, which is also called Congratulations. Big Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm my editor. It's, it's getting formatted right now and like we're finalizing the cover, but um, you know, those things like, yes, there will be people that will say like, write a book. And it is, it's, it's great to, great credibility and it's great for all of those things. But for me, like I wanted to write a book, even if no one ever read it, because I had a message that I really wanted to get out there. Um, And it's the same, it's the same concept as my podcast, but understand that those things, yes, you could absolutely monetize a podcast. You can monetize a book. um, They are great to get speaking engagements, et cetera, but it is also a huge labor of love. I mean, having launching a book or, or finishing my book was so much harder than having my children because that kid is coming out. And I mean, I had my daughter at home, non-medicated in my bedroom. Um, it was amazing. Uh, but it is so much harder to like, to write a book because you know, it's, there's a lot of people that fail. I mean, it took me two years to write what probably would have taken me one month if I got over myself, like, and, and, you know, mentally to be there in a place where you're ready to create at yeah. the highest level. You have to like, you have to actually do all of the things to get to the place where you can create the content. That's incredible. That's really incredible. Cause I know you, we've talked in the past and I know you were working on it and you were so intentional and diligent about protecting that time to kind of create that book baby. Um, but it was amazing. I'm, I'm, that's incredible that it's coming out. I can't wait to read it. Um, Thank you. So if you were to go back here, um, and I know we're kind of getting close to the top of the hour here, as you kind of were to look back and say, look, I, if I look back at my five years or I look back at the kind of this journey or what you teach your clients right now, what would be kind of the, cause there's the, I think so often kind of being new to this game myself, you look up at the mountain, there's just so much stuff to focus on. There's like so many variables to like, is that really important? Do I really need that? And there's a lot of like done is better than just, you know, pretty right now. But if you were to kind of look back and say, if I were to recreate this or do this, because correct me if I'm wrong, did you go straight to events first? And I know we're in the non-social or we're in the social distancing time right now, but how would you start over again if you had to? Like, what would be the non-negotiables that you would have to do kind of? Um, and this is a really big question that you were like, I have to have this and this. And what did you find out along the way were just not important that people just didn't care about that you thought were maybe important? Oh, such a good question. I wish I, I mean, sometimes I wish I could go back though. I'd learned so much. I think the biggest thing is don't try to do it all on your own. So I like to talk about taking a shortcut. And when I say shortcut, I don't mean about not doing work, but to me, there's such, it's so easy to get into infocrastination and I know I'm so guilty of this where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like, you go to everyone's website and download all their free stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn this. And you're trying to do 10 things at once and you end up doing nothing well. You like move, you know, I think Peter Kelly said it. She's like, if you have, you know, this much fuel, if you try to launch 10 rockets at once, you're going to go this far. If you launch one rocket, you're going to go 10 times farther. So is one getting the, the shortcut um, by, working with someone that's a professional at it, that's really good at it, you know, ask them 
you know, one, I mean, hire them because if you really are serious about building a business, like you are going to need to invest something in it. Like that's the reality. Can it be done for free? Sure. If you are insanely determined, you can take free resources and create something, but just that's one thing is just create something. So take someone's shortcut, even if that is a freebie, but ideally like hire a person to help you, whether that's a group coaching that you're paying, you know, a hundred dollars a month, or that's a mastermind, but get the shortcut from someone who has gone where you want to go and can walk you through the steps so that you can sidestep some of the mistakes that they made. And also they want to help. So that's number one is just like, take that shortcut. Secondly is focus on one thing. And this is advice I work on giving myself all that time. I have a whiteboard and I like, you know, it's got like, Oh, here's the 50 goals I have. But then I have one part of it says, what is the one thing right now? And I typically will have three steps. So there was a point where I said, the one thing right now is my book. It was so close. It was like 95% finished. And that last 5% took me months. And I finally sat down and I said, I'm going to give myself, it's called a cave day. And it's a cave day is something you can do for like two or three hours. They, they used to offer them. Um, but you can go into like a co space yep. and you say, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to turn my phone off, my browsers, et cetera. I'm only going to work on one thing. And it could be like, I'm going to write or I'm going to plan something or I'm going to do whatever, but it's something that you don't do anything else. And so I did that with my book. I took a week of cave days. I didn't post on social media, which is like against what everyone says to do. I went to the library. I turned off my wireless. I put my phone on silent. I literally told my, my husband and my nanny, this is where I'm at at the library. If there's an emergency, call the library and have them come over. This is where I'm sitting. And I wrote for five days and I edited and that if I had, I done that for like three weeks, I, w- I could have written the entire book in three weeks, wow. but that was what pushed me. So it was just focusing on that one thing. And I think being really intentional about like, what am I working on today? Like, okay, today I'm going to do this specific thing and doing that first. If we call it eat the frog, right? So yep. If you are like, these are the 10 things I'm doing today. And I love to have 10 things on my list. I'm that type of person that's like, oh, I just did the dishes. I'm going to add that to my list and now cross it off so I can get credit. It feels so good. It feels so good. But the reality is, is that we like really need to just focus on that one thing. And it's, you'll be really become an expert on it. And so for me, like with brand camp, I love the fact that we gave so much value. But when I realized that it was so much more powerful to niche really far down, Mm. which is, which is what the pitch club is becoming, which is like a microcosm of brand camp that my clarity around the value that I deliver and my ability to differentiate myself from so many people out there that are doing branding type of things is so much greater. And at the end of the day, we want to be an expert in something really specific. Mm. I love that. And I love that you talked about that. You know, it's, it feels great to just cross stuff off, but it's, really trying to figure out what that linchpin or that key domino is that's going to knock down the rest that day for you. Because there's so often there are days that we're just, we feel product or productive and busy. At the end of the day, you don't feel satisfied with what you've done because you knew you didn't get the one thing you were supposed to get done that day. Um, so that's such a key component of it. Um, and start before you're ready. Yeah. Start before you're ready. I think that's the biggest thing is like, we're never going to feel ready. And I mean, sometimes either putting your goal out there publicly or hiring someone when you do that before you're ready, that forces you forward because you, you get, you either don't want to waste your money or you don't want to be embarrassed. So start before you're ready because that's how you're going to figure it out. I love it. Rebecca, thank you so much for this chat. Thank you so much for kind of sharing your journey, but also just being vulnerable about how messy it can be. And also like what I really took away today too, is that you don't have to know everything. Um, that's, you know, there are things that sometimes we realize maybe, 
we do innately that uh, we can bring value to other people on. Um, and I think you've done a really great job of helping not just me, but um, other people out there kind of find their message and have the courage to go out there and do it. And so thank you so much for being you and, and sharing your value with the world. Thank you so much, Jason. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG. Again, that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going, and it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.